Well, have you been blessed to hear these stories and testimonies? I sure have. It has been uh, a deep drink of refreshment for me to hear how God has been at work in the lives of our friends and at work in the community in which they served. Um, so thank you for going, for serving, for coming and telling us some of the story. Uh, for those of you that are newer around here, my name is Scott and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we're going to take a few moments to reflect on some scriptures that are found in the book of Ephesians. And we'll be in the fourth chapter. And we're just going to share a few thoughts in light of all that we've been hearing this morning. And uh, then we're going to wrap it up. We um, will begin in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, where the Apostle Paul will challenge us to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Live your life in a manner that is worthy with your calling. I'm going to say more about that in a minute, but when I read that phrase and I meditated on that phrase, uh, God just kind of sent me back in time and I began to reflect on uh, an experience I had with my high school basketball team. Now, I know that goes way, way back. Um, some of you think it goes further back than what it actually did. But uh, I uh, got the privilege of playing on a, on a high school team that was rather historic in our city. The uh, coach that had uh, been at that school was there for a long time, had quite the reputation in the community, had won a lot of games, won a lot of tournaments. And so it was no small thing to make that team, and it was no small thing to travel with that team from school to school and represent kind of all that tradition and all the history. You follow me? And so uh, part of the way that we were a, a member of that team in a, in a way that might be worthy of that experience was that uh, we always traveled um, wearing a shirt and tie and our letter jacket. Now, uh, the other schools didn't do that. The other teams didn't do that. Uh, they'd come in casual and, you know, just normal school wear. But we, we went to every game wearing a tie and our jacket. And um, I can remember as a sophomore, I just made the team. And so I... I had no one that had told me all that tradition, but I already knew that tradition. And I was looking for, you know, it wasn't like I enjoyed wearing a tie, but I was looking forward to, to being a part of the team and we would all be uh, wearing a tie that night. And so we all show up at our school to make the road trip to the other school. And another guy who was brand new to the team somehow missed the memo, somehow didn't get it that, you know, there was all this tradition. He showed up in a T-shirt and some... Uh, you know, kind of tattered jeans, which uh, is pretty standard uh, most of the time. But when the coach saw him, he really didn't say anything about it. He just said, uh, you will not be traveling with us tonight. Boom. No go. Because there had been kind of a, a heritage and a tradition there that said, uh, we conduct ourselves in a certain kind of way. And when you can conduct yourself in that kind of way, uh, you can travel with us. Now, let me transition that into what Paul's going to say in our scriptures today. Because this is not about clothing. 
This is not about how do you attire yourself for church or for being a Christian, those kinds of things, which are worthy conversations. But more, it has to do with the heart. It has to do with the internal person and how we see God and how we see life and how we carry ourselves in light of that. And so uh, I'm going to invite you to open your Bible and begin to read some of that text with me in Ephesians chapter 4. So Paul begins by saying, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Now he has said this before. He'll say it again in other writings. uh, And I'll just remind you briefly that Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to churches that he had helped establish around this megacity called Ephesus. It's about five years since he has been there. Now he is in jail because he continues to do the work of ministry. He continues to preach the gospel. He continues to plant churches, and it's gotten him sideways with the uh, governmental officials. And so he's, he's been arrested. He's in jail, and he's writing this letter while he's in jail. And so he just says, now I say, and um, uh, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Uh, that's kind of shorthand. He could have elaborated and, and, and said, you know what, um, I've been beaten for my faith. I've been shipwrecked for my faith. I've known deprivation for my faith. I've been stoned. That means rocks thrown at you until uh, they thought I was dead and then they stopped. And I've been imprisoned. I've uh, received whippings and lashings and things like that. Uh, and, and even at this writing, I'm in prison. The point being... It's worth it. What I want to say to you, I'm saying to you as one who knows, it is worth it to know Jesus, to do life with Jesus, to sacrifice whatever there is about yourself for His cause and His purpose and His mission. And so it's altogether appropriate that we would hear the stories that we heard today from our team who conducted themselves in a manner that is worthy of the calling. Let's continue. He says, Now, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Uh, the word Christian uh, simply means somebody that's like Christ. When you bring a whole lot of Christians together and you have church, that simply is a word that means. Those who have been called out from the world, from the culture, from what everything else, everybody else experiences for Christ. And so to be Christian and to be church means that there is a call on our lives that's common to everybody. Not just the clergy type. Common to everybody. And you can think about it in this way. You can sum it up to say, one, it it means that we are incarnational because that's what Jesus was. Now, that's a big word that simply means this. Jesus came to be with us as a human, but he also had the fullness of God in him. It was incarnate. And he says, now that you are my followers, you're going to bear and carry the fullness of God 
with you. So everywhere you go, friend, you are an incarnated presence of God. He is fully within you, and therefore when you are in your committee meetings or your business meetings or your social circles or what's happening in your cul-de-sac, those kinds of things, there you are as a bearer of the presence of God. He says, walk in a way that you know that, that you know the fullness of God is there with you and therefore in their midst. And then he says, um, it's, it's missional. That is to say, when you walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling, your calling is, is about you fulfilling what Jesus came to do. Now, friends, when you decide that you're going to follow Christ and you give your life to him, these two things become true for you. This becomes your calling to be incarnational. I'm going to carry the fullness of God's presence everywhere I go and to be missional. I've got a purpose in this life. I've got a mission in this life. I'm going to carry out what God has planned for all time and eternity through Jesus. So he says, walk in a way that is worthy of that. Now, I'm going to move ahead to get at uh, what I was going to say about that. Uh, Let's pick it up in verse 2. Here's what that looks like. Walk in the manner uh, that's worthy of the calling with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's just pause there for a moment. Now, when we're walking in a worthy manner in keeping with the call that is on our life, he says these are some of the characteristics that you will see. One is humility. Now, humility simply means I acknowledge, I can see, I can tell the difference that God makes in my life. That's what humility is all about. And so kind of like the testimonies that you heard this morning, uh, it wasn't pleasant, it wasn't always fun, it wasn't stuff that you would choose to experience. And uh, the fact that they were able to go through what they were able to go through is a testimony to how God was at work in them. Speaking to them in their prayers, speaking to them through little cards, speaking to them through the encouragement of one another, speaking to them through guards, speaking to them through the children, speaking to them through the other uh, locals that were living in that community. God, 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 God kept impacting, encouraging, stirring, empowering, inspiring, And humility is a way of conducting myself where I acknowledge that. You know what? Don't sing my praises. There's nothing particularly great about me. I'm a whiner. I'm a wimp. I I wouldn't even choose to go through this. But God, who is so great in mercy and grace, is giving me the wherewithal to be and to do this week. So that's humility. Then he says another characteristic when you're walking in that worthy manner, is that you'll have gentleness. Now, don't misunderstand this. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is not going around with a lack of conviction. 
Gentleness is not trying to smooth over all the rough waves. Let's don't have any contention here. Let's don't anybody kind of get upset. Gentleness moves forward with a clear sense of conviction and determination and direction, but in a certain way that's just not leaving carnage all over the place. You follow what I'm saying? So I was in a meeting not too long ago, and several of us uh, were around the table, and all of us people of passion. And one guy was just really getting amped up. And the, the more amped up he got, the louder he got, and it began to be a little off-putting, and people were kind of you know, backing up a little bit. He was coming on very strong. And the guy who was leading and facilitating the meeting was ever so gentle, but firm and full of conviction and strong determination. And with all of this amped up loud stuff that was going on, he just spoke very deliberately and calmly and purposefully and navigated us through what had been a pretty uncomfortable few moments. That's kind of how gentleness gets played out. And he says, here's another thing that's going to look like. It's going to look like patience. When you walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling, you have such a great confidence in God's sovereignty. God's in charge. God has power. God is going to see to it that what He has put in motion will come to pass. His purposes and plans will come to pass. That you can be patient on that. I struggle with impatience. I struggle with wanting to be controlling and manipulating and make sure that certain things uh, get accomplished that I think God wants to see accomplished. And His Spirit is constantly contending with my heart. Trust me. Believe. Have faith in my sovereignty. I'm going to see to it. Rest in that. Patience. And then he says that he is wanting us to bear with one another. Is how the version I just read it said it. Another version says, I want you to be tolerant with one another. And I hesitate to use that word because it's so uh, abused, I think, in today's culture. So let me just say a quick caveat about it. One of the highest esteemed values in our culture today is tolerance. And that's not what I'm talking about. Because that cultural value basically contends everybody's belief, everybody's convictions, everybody's values are of the same value. And we ought to just respect everybody's stuff the same way. And that's not what this text is talking about. Now, I'm not advocating disrespecting people. I'm not advocating being obnoxious and rude and unkind to people when they have differing convictions, beliefs, or values. I'm just contending that when you are a follower of Christ, you've come to a point where you value that first and best, and there is not another value that is on par with that. And our culture would call that intolerant. But the true meaning of tolerance would be, now you've got this belief and I respect that. I don't value it to the same level I value mine. And that's legitimate tolerance. But what we're talking about here in this text, Paul's addressing believers. 
He's addressing people in a church. And he's saying, here's how you conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy within the fellowship, within the the body of Christ. Humility, you think a lot of how God's operating in your life. Gentleness, conviction, direction, determination, but gentle in all that process. Patience, confident, I'm going to accomplish what I've, I've set out to do. And bearing with one another. That is to say, you come to live with the differences that are present and probably always will be. Now, we're not talking about tolerating heresy. We're not talking about tolerating uh, anti-Christ kinds of, of things. We're talking about things like preferences. You know what? There's some people in this room that prefer music that's very fast, upbeat, kind of driving and there's others that really like it softer, more contemplative. And then there are others that just would love to have older hymns like all the time. And that's fine in every case. And so we learn how to, to bear that with one another. And, and uh, we end up doing all that kind of music from one time or another. And, and that's the kind of tolerance we're talking about. Uh, in terms of theology, you know what? There are different beliefs in this room about what's going to happen at the end times. But that's okay. We, we bear that with one another. There are idiosyncrasies and there are temperamental kinds of ways and so on. We bear that. We tolerate that. We learn to embrace one another in all of our uniqueness. Can I use that word? And then let me say in the last place here that he says when you walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling, it looks like persevering. It looks like you continue to be diligent in maintaining the unity that God has built in your midst. Now, I, I want to just spend just a moment here because I think this is very important for 21st century Americans. In our culture, we have become so consumerist in our experience of church that we are vastly missing what God intends to happen in church. Okay? And maybe this is just a little overstatement, but I think it illustrates the point. Many of us treat church like the Cinemax down on the corner, right? I mean, we go and we uh, stop at the counter and pick up a little refreshment, and then we go into the theater and we get the seat more or less that we want. Maybe, you know, I've got a big head in front of me, but uh, anyway, I'll, I'll survive. It's a big screen. And um, uh, we kind of, you know, lean back, and it's like, do it. Entertain, inspire, stir, service is over, we exit, uh, we're kind of pleasant with some people on the way out, just like you are in a movie theater. And that's, friends, unfortunately, that is becoming a dominant experience for a lot of people about church. And that it could not be farther removed than what church is supposed to be about. We are the called out ones. We've been called out from the culture to follow Christ, to love Christ, to worship Christ, to serve and be on mission for Christ. We are a different, unique, the Bible uses the word peculiar people. When you look at it in context of the culture, we look kind of peculiar. Because there is such a defined 
call upon our lives. And in that process, we give evidence of that call in our lives when we preserve or maintain the unity of the body. I'm using the word persevere. Because here's, what, here's reality, friends. None of us have reached perfection yet. Now, there's a couple of you that are really close. I'm not going to embarrass you today. <laughs> Some of us are not that close, okay? And the fact of the matter is, we will get sideways with each other at one point or another, unless we're walking in and out of a movie theater. But if we're living in a real community where we're really doing life with one another and we're really on a mission together and we're really kind of putting our whole heart into it, there will be times that you get sideways with each other. And what Paul says is when you're walking in a manner that is worthy of your calling, you deal with that. By God's grace, you learn how to forgive. By God's grace, you learn how to reconcile. By God's grace, you learn how to love someone with all their imperfections. And and what I see tragically happening in congregation after congregation after congregation is that if somebody gets a little sideways with somebody else in the church, they're out of there. They're gone. And friends, that is not walking in a manner that is worthy. Of your calling. He's called us to persevere with one another. He's called us to learn how to forgive one another, to accept one another, to bless one another in spite of the craziness that we can have with one another. Which raises the question, how can we do that? That's the what. We are to be incarnational, missional people with all those characteristics I just detailed, how do we get at that? Well, he says in the first place that you have been given a grace according to the measure of Christ. He's measured out the kind of grace that you need for that in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that grace that he gives you is not just a power to get along, but it's also an ability to serve. And we all have different kinds of grace gifting, all kinds of different abilities, divine enablements, if you want to call it that, with which we serve Him and serve one another so that Uh, In other texts, he uses the analogy of a body. It's just like all these different parts of a body. You've got to have all those different parts. You've got to have hands. You've got to have feet. You've got to have ears. You've got to have a nose. You've got to have a mouth. You've got to have eyes and so on. All of them are indispensable. You've got to have all of them together to make up the body of Christ. And he is gracing us in those kinds of ways, giving us power beyond ourselves to be able to persevere with one another, to be patient and trusting in his sovereignty, to be humble Gentle, etc., and a gifting that causes his body, his church, to make a difference in this world. And we walk in that manner not only by the grace that he measures out to us, but by the equipping he does with us by certain members of the congregation 
that he's gifted to do that. So look with me, if you will, at verse 11. And he gave the uh, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so this equipping, and I'm not going to take the time to unpack all that today, but this equipping happens by way of teachings. It happens by way of a shepherding that happens in your life by certain people in this church. It happens by the the work of an apostle who is one who kind of can see bigger picture things that God's up to and and organize stuff and systematize stuff in in ways that a lot of... uh, God's agenda is able to be addressed in an efficient and effective kind of way. Uh, those that have some kind of prophetic uh, endowment by God are, are those that can speak into people's lives with words from God. Uh, as little as encouragement, which is very, very powerful. If, if God uh, kind of highlights something that's going on in somebody else's life and He kind of uh, stirs you to say something into their life, that that's how that prophetic thing is working. And it blesses, it encourages, it edifies, it builds up, it strengthens, and so on. I could go, I'm not, I don't have the time to unpack all that. But this is how he gets at developing in us a wherewithal so that we can walk in a manner that is worthy of his calling. The outcomes are incredible. And I'm not going to take the time to really unpack that. But it results in us having a tremendous unity in the body. That doesn't mean uniformity. That doesn't mean we're all just alike. We're all clones. But in spite of all the diversity, in spite of all the differences, there's a oneness of heart and purpose and direction. Heartbeat. It results in a knowledge of God which is way more than the intellect. It has to do with an experiencing of God. We'll talk about that another time. It results in a maturity. A lot of the reason that Paul wrote letters to the churches so many years ago is because they were struggling and striving with immaturity. We all start at a certain place in the faith and we make all kinds of mistakes and all kinds of misunderstandings and wrong assumptions and predispositions and whatever. And we continue to grow and we continue to grow and we mature. In the faith. And one of the outcomes of living in his grace gifts and responding to his grace equipping is it brings about maturity in you. And it brings about a great stability. Paul says it's just like uh, this world is a bunch of tossed waves or blowing winds that are constantly pelting us and trying to uh, knock us off course or off our feet so that we no longer stand. And he says one of the outcomes is that you'll be stable, able to stand when storms blow. We're going to finish with this. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do in light of all the stories you've heard today? And friend, it just may be that you kind of stumbled in this place and you've been stirred and you don't even know, why am I so stirred? Why am I so moved about all this? And I will say to you simply, it's because... This has been a divine appointment for you. God knew you would be here. God wanted to interact with you. And he's stirring you now that you 
might respond to a calling that He's putting on your life. Will you follow Him? Will you give your heart to Him? Will you allow Him to forgive you of sins, make you a son or a daughter of God, and set you off on a course of mission? Will you receive these grace grace giftings? Now part of that is you'll be open to reading the Scriptures and seeing what are they? How do they operate? How do they function? What's God up to with people in that kind of way? So uh, study and reflection and conversation, being a part of a small group, all these are ways that we get at that. And then receive the equipping that comes from some of the people that God's placed in this church to do the work of equipping. And attend a class or be faithful and regular in this, this gathering or what's going on in a small group, a share group, that kind of thing. Will you walk? in a manner that's worthy of the calling. Let's pray. But Father, you've given us a pretty clear-cut call today to doing life with you and having you burst forth the fullness of life in us. So in this quiet moment, we respond to you. And I pray that you would give power to each of us to respond with a yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you're calling for, whatever you're uh, desiring, however you're leading, yes. Yes.